You're listening to the Empowered Divorce Podcast, where women support women who have experienced betrayal trauma and abuse and are now facing divorce. Here, you'll learn tools and concepts to help guide your journey from a place of empowerment by trusting yourself and becoming the chooser in your life. I'm your host, Amy Woolsey. Thanks for joining. Hello, hello, amazing, beautiful listeners. Thank you for joining me today. I'm excited to bring you another interview with an amazing woman who navigated divorce and has leaned in and tapped into her power and really starting to create happiness and healing and healthy for herself and her life. And I can't wait for you to hear her story and what she has to say today. I really just, again, have loved these interviews and hope that as you've listened to these women who have been where you probably are at, where you feel stuck, where you feel like there's no way you can do this thing that feels impossible to do right now. And I just think that hearing other women's stories of how they persevered, of how they made it through despite all of the fears, despite even feeling like everything and the world and God is against them. They took that brave step forward to healing. So my hope for you today is as you hear this episode, you feel the support of women and know that you too can take that next right step forward for you. All right. Enjoy this interview. I'm just going to hit record before I forget. But yeah, I think, and like you said, one of the things that I, why I wanted to have you on here is you've made it through you're still navigating all of the early pieces, but like you just said, I mean, some of the things you're doing now, six months ago, when we were talking about your brain was like, hell no, Amy, like you crazy. Nope. nope, nope. I ain't doing it. <laughs> Not doing I it. I can't do it. Can't right. We talked about that word. And so I just think this is a perfect example and I cannot wait for a woman to hear how you went from, I can't to, I did because you did it. And you're doing it and you're doing hard. One of the things too, that I'm hoping women who listen to this get is also just a little bit of that courage and know that they can do hard things Absolutely. and they're not alone because you thought there's no way. And here you are. So <laughs> I'm going to turn it over to you and you just share what part of your story you want. Okay. Well, I was married for 12 and a half years to my ex-husband, we got married in 2009 and I saw some red flags in the very beginning of our relationship, even before we got married, but I chose to ignore them. I really, I really trusted him and wanted to believe him. And then we spent about the first seven years of our marriage on and off with, with pornography and just episode after episode of me finding it on his phone and then not being truthful about it and me finding it and not being truthful and saying things would change and counselor after counselor, therapy after therapy of trying to make things work out. And gosh, I just, I felt so stuck where I was at in this loop of trying to make things work and not really seeing any results and wanting my marriage to look different, but not sure how to have it look different and not being able to trust and not being able to have something different. So then probably we moved across the country in 2019 and we were still really rocky. And then he asked for a divorce 
And I was devastated. I didn't want it. I didn't want our family to break apart. I didn't, I didn't think I could do it without him financially, emotionally, all of the things. So we'd been married so long and we had four children at that time. And we had built this life together, even though it wasn't great. I had built this life with this, with this man that I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with. And he said he wanted a divorce and I didn't. And then we went six months through that. And then he said he wanted to work things out. And I was like, okay. And then still watched his feet and nothing changed. And so I really had to dig down deep and ask the hard questions. And I got the answer for myself that it was time for us to end our marriage. And that was about Thanksgiving time last year. And so then we told our, told our oldest children first in the beginning of this year and filed divorce papers in March and had mediation in June. And it was finalized in July. It was just all things I didn't think I could do. Being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I drug my feet about the decision to get divorced because the stigma and the shame that I thought would come with it and the disappointment of my family members and my parents and the crumbling of my marriage and my family with our children. I didn't know what that meant. And so it was really hard decision, but that I immediately felt like I had peace about it and just tried to remember my why going through the spring of this year and my can't and being stuck turned into being able to do it and not necessarily all the way on the other side, but starting my life over and what that looks like for me and my kids and the continued peace that I have with it. Yeah. Kali, you've been through so much and I know that so many women can relate to your story. If you don't mind, you said something in the very beginning about those red flags that you noticed when you were dating. I, I, again, I think so many women can probably relate to that where notice something might be a little off or, eh, nah, and then we just ignore it. Out of curiosity, what were some of those red flags that, that you saw, but just kind of swept under the rug. It was just, it was one instance we had just decided to get an apartment together and he was going to live there until we got married. And then I was going to move in after we got married. And I decided to surprise him and go over there and clean it up. And I had gone over there and I had opened his laptop to turn on some music to get started cleaning. And that was the very first time I found files on his computer. And I just, I was just really shocked and didn't know what to think and asked him about it. And he told me that they were really old and he couldn't believe they weren't deleted. And so that was my red flag and I believed him. And at that time I had no reason not to. And, and we didn't date for very long. I had just previously, I had just placed a baby for adoption. And I was, I was really searching for something to fill that void. And he did that for me at that time. And I just really wanted us to work out. He was everything that I thought that I was, 
that I should want. He was a return missionary and active member of the church. And he's a really good guy. And, but we just really didn't take that time to really get to know one another when we were dating. Yeah. Which again is such a common story. I know. I mean, it's mine, (laughs) right? Like just not, not, yeah, really rush. And that goes along. I think majority of the listeners who our LDS can relate. I think it's just a cultural thing that's accepted. I teach the YSA dating and Mm self-empowerment course. And that's one of the things that I tell them over and over. I'm like, date long, date long, date long. Like, here's what, you know, because I'm determined to change the culture. (laughs) Uh, It's not helpful. It's unhealthy. And I feel like there's so many adults who see these young adults meet after a month and want to get married and we're just going along with it. No one's saying anything. And we're just like, okay, here, here's a present. So anyways, yeah, I get it. And I know that there's some people that make it, yada, but doing what I do, I just see this pattern over and over. And, uh, I don't know where you are at in your journey of forgiving the self, but that was something I had to do is forgive myself for not knowing, forgive myself for believing in the culture and doing what I thought I was supposed to do in a lot of ways when you're young and get married. And yeah, absolutely. You don't know what you don't know. And at that time, I just thought I was doing what I should be doing after I felt Like I made this huge mistake of having an unplanned pregnancy and placing her for adoption. I just, I felt like that was the next step I was supposed to do. So yeah, absolutely. I wish I had given myself more time to heal. And, but I just, especially I look back 21, 22 year old self and just, I went to hug her and just give her so much grace for that time in her life. Yeah, seriously. I love that you said that because I think that's such a huge piece to healing and looking at the younger self and not judging or shaming or blaming and holding space for her choices and loving her. That I feel like is the piece that we are missing in our Mm -hmm. healing journey. Because like you were saying, like you had this traumatic experience and I know I'm assuming here, but I can only assume, especially in the LDS culture, there were shame, unfortunately. And so how that digs at your worth and your value. So it makes sense that a lot of us hustle for that worth and value. And when you've been told that it is kind of like this highest level of achieving accomplishment, that's kind of how I was looking at it. Like if I could just get married, then I've arrived. And that was kind of another hustle for my worth and value and enoughness. And not looking at it in the reverse effect of, I need to believe that I'm worth a hundred percent and enough outside of marriage. I didn't know that. And so it makes sense, you know, the choice that you made too. I did the same thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I didn't know outside of being that new mom, that birth mom, what love was. I didn't love myself. And then I'm turning around and dating very short and getting married to this person I didn't really know. And he didn't really know me. And in 12 and a half years, I really still feel like we didn't, we didn't know each other. Yeah. And that's a long time to spend more than a decade with someone and really feeling 
never being seen. Yeah. Gosh, so powerful. And again, I just, mm, I know women are relating to this. You said something too. You said, even though it wasn't that great, like the marriage was difficult and had multiple disclosures and, and things like that, you didn't leave. And it sounds like something that I hear often too, like, even though this is really hard and I'm not entirely happy, it's what I know. It's what I'm used to. And it's not as scary as the thought of what might be if I don't have this. Is that sound familiar? Oh, absolutely. That I was the definition of scared. I, at that, those years of my life, I had rather been miserable and unhappy, but still married because that's what I was supposed to be doing. And that if I just thought if I worked and did everything I could, that, that I could change our circumstances, but, you know, through this experience, I really have come to learn you can't change people that don't want to change. And that's not your job. It's, it wasn't my job to try and change my spouse. If he wanted to, he would have done it for himself. And for a long time, I just thought if he loved me, he would change. And I felt just stuck in this marriage that we both chose only speaking for me that we, I felt like we both just didn't want to be there, but we had our kids. And so what were we taught to do just to stay and be miserable because yeah. you don't get divorced. That's right. Not, not that's an not option. What, it's not what you do. Right. And so you just stick it out and yeah, really learning that putting my happiness, putting my own happiness in the forefront. That was humongous for me. And knowing that seeing that me being happy helps my children and them seeing me be happy is healing for all of us. So that was a really, that was probably one of the biggest shifts I think, I think I had. I, I love that you said that. And I think that is so powerful. It's a message that I, gosh, if I could say a hundred times a day to women, I would that your happiness, your health, healthiness, is that a word? Your, <laughs> your being healthy and showing up for yourself in that way absolutely is what our children need. And I love that you added the word healing because that was my experience too, is mm. so much healing and it hasn't stopped. Like, it, I mean, I left 2014, like the healing that has been happening for me and my children because of my continued healing just continues. And it's such a testament every single time that I made the right decision. So I just, I love that you added that, that word there. Something interesting too, that's a little bit different in a lot of the stories I hear. What did that feel like for you that here he is? not doing the work to heal and become healthy out of this addiction, work on that honesty, transparency, trust. And he's the one that asks for the divorce. What did that feel like? Oh, I did mean, you see I, that I, coming? I, we had talked about it several times. And I think we both just, we didn't have the answers. We both just didn't know what to do. And we thought that was the next step. We just didn't mm -hmm. know what to do anymore. And so I think he said it and I was devastated and I just didn't know what to do. 
And because you think it, you can think it all you want. You can dream about it, but saying it out loud mm-hmm. and it made it real. And I just, I, like I said, I didn't know what to do. And that took a lot of, I, I even, I took a weekend and I drove up like 20 minutes north of where I live and stayed at a hotel across the street from the temple and just was by myself for a whole weekend, just trying to figure things out, trying to come to terms with it. And you know what, if this is going to happen, then I'm going to make the best of it. And that's kind of what I concluded. And then just a month later, him saying he doesn't want a divorce and wants to work on it, then that was really a confusing. So my wheels having to switch again and saying, oh, wait, no, this is not what he really wants and try to figure out what the next step would be and what that looks like. So it just, it was, I think for both of us, we were just really trying to figure out what the best answer was. And we clearly could not get on the same page. So hard, that back and forth, exhausting and excruciating. What was, what were your fears? You mentioned money and just not having that maybe emotional connection, but what were some of your stuck points where you felt like you can't, I know like can't work and raise kids was one of them, (laughs) but what were some of those? I can't. It was, I just, the thought of, and it wasn't even like the thought of not being married, but it was the thought of being alone, doing it alone. Yeah. Gosh, it's actually like being a stay-at-home mom and working a little bit here and there to kind of help with income to our finances. But when you have to be the breadwinner and you have to go to work every day, it's completely different. And so I was so stuck in how am I going to work? But I kept a list in my phone from the past year of the trials that I've had since starting this divorce process. And I have a list of the blessings that have come also from this. And my list of the blessings are actually way longer than the trials and things, the hardships that have come with this. And when I really feel down, I go and look at that list because it reminds me of the things that I might've been stuck with, but then I look at the blessings and I am reminded at how very blessed I have been. And it gives me extra reassurance that I feel that I've made the correct choice for myself and my children. Mm -hmm. Just, I felt stuck in so many areas just that I couldn't, I couldn't see past. I couldn't see past it. Yeah. It's Um, so hard to see past it. So what helped you get like just taking the work aspect? What was that step, that thought that got you unstuck just a little? Not to put a plug, but you, your (laughs) program, others that thought like you, people that spoke to me telling me that I could do it and that support I people that were in my shoes previously but then were on the other side so I completely agree how this can help others I just I couldn't see it because I was in the middle of it and right we can't when we're stuck and it is so much of believing in ourselves and moving through that stuckness and just one 
day at a time. What could I do that day that could help me with moving to that next step? And for me, it was looking for a full-time job. That's what it started with and finding one and the miracles that came from the job that I found and the people that, that helped me get that job. And it was just, it was the place I needed to be during those months, I, w- without a doubt. So it just, it's, I think we need to believe that we won't be there forever. This won't last forever. It sucks really bad in the middle of it, but I can testify that it won't feel like that forever. If we can just get through the money parts. It's so true. And it's such a beautiful message. I had a woman in church. She didn't know me. I was in my parents' ward. I think it was like probably the first or second Sunday that I was there and word spreads fast. And so everyone knew that I was my mom and dad's daughter and I was there and possibly getting divorced. And this woman, I had no idea who she was, comes up to me. And it was one of those where I was so depressed and still in shock with what was going on with my life and sitting there in the pew, arms folded, because I'm just head down because I'm just sobbing through the whole entire sacrament. And she comes up to me, sits down. She says, I know you don't know me, but I've been where you are at. And I just want you to know, I promise it gets better. And that's all she said to me. And I remember just feeling the truth be like, like I knew she knew, even though I had no idea who she was, there was just that instant connection from woman to woman. And I held on to that ever since just like those words would just come to my mind. Like it, it got to get better. It's going to get better. It has to get better. It was just, yeah, one of those phrases that I kept going back to. And so you're right. It feels like it's never going to end and you're drowning in despair. And yet I promise it gets better. Right. Wow. She, that was really good. I, I really like that. She even came up to you and said that I, that is powerful. Wow. I know. Right. She didn't even know you needed it. Right. Even she had no idea. She had no idea. She didn't know the details. No one, my parents weren't telling anybody. It was just one of those, like she was honed in. And I think that's what comes and you probably can relate to that where when you've been through this kind of hell and this kind of experience, your level of empathy and non-judgment and understanding and how you see these other women going through this shift so drastically that you now get to be that advocate. And that's why this podcast was so important for me to really advocate like women need women and we need to start supporting each other because so many women are going through this and feel isolated and judged. And that woman didn't judge that woman didn't walk by and go, Oh, gee, sucks for her. I know how that feels. And even just feel like, Oh, so sorry, but keep walking. She turned and sat on that bench. And that one comment, I called her years later, (laughs) actually, I tracked her down and called her years later and told her how much that meant to me and how I hung on to that. So you never know. And so those of you who are going through that, be open to receive and women who've been there, be open to give. And I think that that will make so many shifts. I love that. I love that. I think too, that's why we share our stories, right? 
That's why our stories are so important, our individual journeys, because even if they touch one person, I was just able to share my faith story through the Faith Collective. You saw that. And it was just, but the timing was just, it was divine. It was divine because I was such at a low. I think I finished writing it May, June. And we had just separated end of May. My car had just broken down. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a place to live. My kids were going to live with their grandparents for the summer. Like it was just, there was so much of that end of that month. I just felt like I was drowning. And then I finished writing it. And then the beginning of July, I, I did the photo shoot for it. And I just, it was just so incredible because I didn't, feel like it was me. Like I felt kind of dissociated. Like I was outside of my body. Like those pictures, those images weren't me, but sharing my faith story and feeling like I was kind of like Peter and walking out to Christ and having these waves and trials crash all over me, knowing that the savior's hand is always reaching in for us is just such a metaphor for my life and where I've been and where I'm going that it's just, it it reminds me again, so much of why we share our stories and why your podcast is so important because it was one of the first things I started listening to and just you and Alana just Mm. spoke to my soul because there was other women that had been where I was because no one talked about it. And even just, even if my whole moving to Utah was to find worth and the addiction recovery program for spouses, like it, and my, and my trauma therapist, like it makes it all worth it. It makes it all worth it because of where I'm heading. Yeah, but I, we have to, it, it's hard and nasty and gross work, but when we put that work in, it is, it heals generations because now my children, hopefully when they get older, they will see, I hope someday the why, and that they will see that they don't have to have a marriage like what their mom and dad used to have. Yeah. Yeah. That's so powerful. Oh, I love that. Okay. So then what are some things that you would love women who are in that heart, who feel like they're drowning and waves are crashing onto them and they just maybe can't even see the hand of the savior right now. What are some things you would like them to know? Oh, just one day at a time. And if you can't take it one day at a time, one step at a time, if you can't see the Savior's hand, do little things each day so you can feel him, whether it's listening to music. I love worship music. I love Christian worship music. I love LDS mm, music. It's Lauren. De- ah, she's my favorite. She saved me. <laughs> ah, she's my favorite. And I just, I little things to my day when I just 
felt so depleted really made all the difference. Even if I couldn't read my scriptures, I couldn't even think about those things. Just listening to Don't Miss This Podcast, just a little bit of something each day, talking with someone that's been there, talking with a family member that supports you, whether it's going to group, whether it's messaging people, if you're in worth, it was just so needed when I felt stuck in the middle. It just little bits at a time. You can't eat the whole elephant. You got to take little bites and, and it feels so overwhelming, but you can do it. Yeah. I love it. That's a perfect place to wrap up. And yes, we absolutely, as women can do hard things. We do hard things and, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for those words of encouragement and empowerment. I love it. And it's been just so amazing to watch you continue to take those steps into creating your life and going from a place of, I can't, I cannot see what this is going to look like. There's no way. And watching you step into that empowerment and make these huge choices story and, and do it so beautifully is just, again, another strength to me, another example to me, how strong women are. And you are one of the strongest I know. So it's an honor to know you. It's such an honor to have you on here. Thank you so much for being willing to share your story. Thank you so much for even asking. I don't know if I have all the words to thank you for your help and for your inspiration through your podcast, through your, through the work that you do. We need so many more people like you because we can't, we shouldn't have to do it without each other. And it's where we, you're right. We need each other. We do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Well, thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. Wasn't that amazing? Hopefully you were inspired just like I was. And something that she said to, I want to just reiterate and, and offer those of you who might be feeling stuck. She, I don't know if you caught this, but she said something to herself. Like she created a new thought for herself in the middle of this. And she said, if this is going to happen, then I'm going to make the best of it. It sounds so simple, but she chose to think that and it set her feet in a forward moving direction. If this is going to happen, I'm going to make the best of it. And so I just want to leave you with that powerful thought. And maybe that's a thought you want to try on this week and see what shifts it makes for you in your empowering steps moving forward. Take care, everybody. Want to hear more tools and inspiring messages from moi? (laughs) Follow me on Instagram where you can get the scoop on a lot of my courses, free workshops, and just hear more healing stuff because why not? The link is in the show notes or just find me on Instagram at Amy Woolsey. Remember, you are the chooser in your life and you get to create the life you want. Take care, everybody.